brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. Midi clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Do you want to become a talk show host? Do you have a great idea? Passionate World Talk Radio is currently looking for podcast hosts for our internet talk radio station. Please email us at twrnetworkllc at gmail.com with your name, email address, cell phone number, and podcast topic. In return, you will receive a three-minute intro on air to a live audience about your podcast. Remember, just email us your name, email address, and your podcast topic and in return, you will receive a free three-minute intro on the air. How cool is that? Welcome to Passionate World Talk Radio. Educate, enlighten, entertain. This show does not provide medical advice. If you're having a medical emergency, please call 911. Anything you hear here should be discussed with your primary health care provider. Hello and welcome to Everyone Dies, the radio show produced by Passionate World Talk Radio, whose goal it is to educate, enlighten, and entertain. I'm Marianne Matson, and for the next 30 minutes, I am your host. Um, I'm talking today with um, Michael. Uh, we've been kind of following... Um, his story of caring for Janet, his wife, with Huntington's disease. And then um, Janet died in January, and Michael got a full-time job and got a 
you know, moved, got a new house, and um, the last time we talked to him, we, you know, me being as nosy as I am, um, talked about dating and going out, and at that point, he had gone out for dinner with a woman who he thought was pretty cool, and then um, the other day, I saw on Facebook that um, Michael was engaged. And so I texted him and I said, uh, dude, do we need to talk? <laughs> and he was nice enough to answer me. So, Michael, hello and welcome. I guess congratulations hello, are in order. Thank you very much, yes. Very much, very definitely congratulations, yes. So, you know, I, I guess I just can't leave you alone, Michael. You go and get engaged right away. What happened? Um, well, first of all, the, the lady's name is, is uh, Jean Barnes. Jean, okay. Yeah, and she's, um, she's also an HD veteran, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, her husband died of HD uh, 15 years ago. And her, her oldest child, her daughter, died of HD in February, early February. Of this so, year? Of this year, yes. Oh, my gosh. So, Poor woman. And so the, oh, yes. And so there's, uh, and unfortunately, that sort of scenario is all too common in the HD community. Right. Um, so, for those, so for our listeners, let me just fill in HD. He's talking about Huntington's disease, which we have a show that explains that. So if you're not familiar with Huntington's, go to everyonedies.org, and you can learn about about that disease. So that runs in families. So it was her husband and her daughter, huh? Yes. In fact, I, I, uh, I met a woman over at one point over in Italy who took care of, who over the past 40 years is taking care of her mother-in-law, her husband, and both of her sons. Oh, my God. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I mean, you just cannot... You know, picture some of the some of the stuff that the, you know people go through, no. but uh, yeah. And the and the thing is, is just real briefly. Uh, basically, in terms of symptomology, it's like you had uh, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and ALS all simultaneously. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is just it's a monster. It, it really is. Uh, but the only good thing out of it is that it's is it's very rare. Um, there's about 30,000 cases of HD right now in the entire United States. So um, it's, it, is a very, it is a very rare disease. Um, but, it's, but in any case, um, I had, uh, Gene had been write, reading my blog for over a year. And, uh, and so as it turns out, once we started you know, getting to know each other, Turns out she know me, knew me a whole lot better than I knew her. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that you know, I did, I've always done is, um, I've never used aliases online, which I guess is stupid, but you know. Um, and nearly everything I post on Facebook is, is public. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, she actually, I guess, spent a lot of time you know, look at you know, looking me up and you know my my past history online, but oh, in, really? on Facebook at least, yeah. Oh. 
Well, you know, and that's, and, and that's the thing that happens is that when you, you know, you don't think of yourself as a public figure, you know, when you're mm-hmm. writing a blog like that, but you do to the people who follow you. And oh, yeah. I mean, that, that was one of the things that is amazing. They know you and you're part of their family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that just absolutely amazed me was uh, when I, it's when Gina and I, you know, first posted that we were, uh, in, were in a relationship with each other, whatever mm-hmm. that means. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it's, I guess it's sort of the modern equivalent of a class ring or a letter jacket. But uh, when we first announced that we were, in, you, know, you know, in a relationship, got a ton of, of uh, people, congratulations, this kind of stuff. And then when we announced the engagement, uh, right now like, there's 360, 300, or not 300, 160, 170 people who have left congratulations and that kinds of stuff. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of these things where, you know, as I got to know her and she got to know me, it just became very, very clear that we fit together. I mean, that there were things that we, we had enough common experiences mm-hmm. that you know, we understood what, what each other was talking about, basically. Right. And at the same time, there was, a, there was enough differences to make life interesting. So it's not like you're, da- you're dating yourself. I mean, one of, one of the problems with, with uh, uh, dating, uh, dating sites and you know, these sorts of things to try to match you up on so-called compatibility is you can end up talk, you know, meeting someone who's exactly like you. And, um, I mean, um, which is just phenomenally boring. Um, <laughs> uh, amongst other things, uh, you know, several years ago, uh, probably a couple decades at this point, uh, Saturday Night Live did a routine, a skit where they, uh, the, you know, ver- various different people you know, signed up with with a um, um, with a dating site, and all the women that the guys met were basically the guys dressed up in drag, and but <laughs> and, and vice versa. It was a funny, funny bit. But I mean, it made a real point that sometimes you can, you know, you you are so compatible that it's like you're dating yourself. Mm. But now, how, how but, long were you married to Janet? Thirty-five years. Oh my gosh! So you were young when you guys got together. You, but you had, had you been married before? I can't remember. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, I was married. I was married two times previously. That's um, great. Both both ended in divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, one while I was in the Air Force, and one as I was getting out, um, getting out of the Air Force. But the the so, but there, you know, there was we had enough things in common, and enough major things, like uh, our common experiences with Huntington's. Um, mm-hmm. We're both both devout Christians, so I mean, there there's that as well. And it's you know, it, it's uh, it's an amazing thing. I mean, I, I can remember the first time that I had any inkling that she had any interest in me is she would occasionally would uh, post, make, put posts on the support forums saying, you know, I'm, I just, I feel so lonely. I feel so alone, those sorts of things, right? Mm-hmm. 
and I and I would always send her back a note. And at this point, I was getting getting to develop some interest in her. So I would post a note, and that said, you know, basically, you know, you don't ever have to really be alone. And she would always post back and say, uh, oh yes, I know the Lord will take care of me. Blah blah blah. blah right. Mm-hmm. And then one day, she made that post. I gave the standard response, and her rea- and her response to it was, "Yes, I know. Thank you." So it's like she realized, you know, that I was talking about myself. <laughs> I think you you don't need to be alone. <laughs> um, and uh, the first time we actually met face to face. Uh, was after her daughter Jennifer died. Uh, she was having a uh, visitation hours over in Mesquite, which is you know on the east side of of Dallas. Mm-hmm. And so I dro- I drove from um, uh, from Cisco where I where I work, and it was all the way from Cisco. It was probably about a two and a half hour drive to, to you know to get to Mesquite. Mm-hmm. Uh, to attend the visitation. Hmm. And so we came in, we, we went, went in, we shook hands, we said, hi, how are you? Um, she introduced me to her, you know, her, you know, her family that was there. And um, we just had probably talked for 15, 20 minutes. And then, you know, the way visitation hours go, um, after 15 or 20 minutes, I, you know, I left and went on, went, came back home. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, that something just really clicked. And so I said, well, you know, maybe we can, you know, how, how would you like to get, there, get together and get something to eat after church, so, you know, this one Sunday? Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, it's, you know because, you know, uh, Franny and I will be over in that area anyway because we're dropping somebody off at DFW. So maybe the three of us could get together for lunch. My thinking being that with Franny there, this was not a date. I mean, this was just <laughs> friends getting together to have, have a meal together, not a date. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, we get there early. And um, my family and extended family is very active on Facebook. And so we had this chat room. And there was, it was just going round and round and round about, you know, you know, you know, who I'm dating and who I'm getting, you know, meeting and is it or is it not a date? And finally, my daughter who lives in Virginia, she says, wait a minute, it's real simple. Dad, are you going to pay for her meal? Yes. It's a date. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't matter who's there. If you're paying, it's a date. So, so, you've um, got, so you've got more than me up, all up in your business. Is that right, then, Michael? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I got I, you know, my, my, my two. Uh, uh, Michael, Francis, my son, daughter, by, you know, from Janet. Uh, Catherine, who's my daughter from, another, from a previous marriage. Um, I have a you know, sister-in-law, um, daughter-in-law. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, a bunch of folks. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, and involved my sister from you know up in Indiana, mm-hmm. and um, but anyways after that one sort of of uh, meeting, 
that's that not a date. Um, a couple of weeks, you know, or actually, uh, we were going to meet two weeks later to go out for dinner on Easter. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting around, you know, you know, Monday and Tuesday after our first meeting at Cracker Barrel. And I'm saying, you know, no, I, I cannot wait two weeks to see her again. This is, that's just like totally untenable. Mm, and that's when you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I called her and said, said so look, you know, um, how about, you know, Palm Sunday? How, how about if we, uh, you know, Friday night, you know, come to church, go to church at your church and then we can go out to dinner afterwards. Oh, that would, that would be, be great. Well, uh, Franny dropped out. She wasn't feeling well. So it just, it was just me that went to church mm-hmm. with her. And we had a very nice time. Uh, it was a little cold because it, her, her church got flooded out from the freeze. And so they're meeting oh. in a circus tent in their parking lot. Oh, my God. <laughs> which is, which is, was real interesting. Um, Especially since that day, it was, I mean, the wind was just blowing like crazy. Mm-hmm. But so we met, and then we went to a, um, to a, uh, to a restaurant, had some barbecue, and we're sitting there. And um, I've been practicing all along on the whole drive over. It, it had become very clear for me what my feelings were. And finally, at one point, we were sitting there after we'd eaten, and we were just talking, and I just reached out and held out my hand, my right hand, and she reached out and took it. And um, we sat there for a moment, and I said, you know, there's something I need to tell you, and that is that I've been looking at things very, um, I've just been looking at things. Mm-hmm. And it's just very clear to me that I am just absolutely totally, completely, and profoundly in love with you. Oh, my gosh. What did she say? And, and, and she just sort of blinked a couple of times, and she, she said, well, I, I'm very taken with you, too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we just sat for, like, the next hour holding, hand, you know, holding hands and talking about everything under the sun. Oh, my goodness. And... Uh, I gotten her a uh, she she loves coffee so I gotten her you know like a little personalized coffee cup as a gift mm-hmm. and so I gave that to her and we talked and talked and we took some pictures you know a couple pictures because my my sister especially, especially my sister up in Indiana I mean her, her mantra through this whole thing is is then either pick you know no pictures it didn't happen oh, <laughs> so, we, we want pictures. <laughs> so we took I, I took lots of pictures and um, at the end we were getting ready to leave and I you know, gave her a hug and a kiss on the cheek and and she says I love you <gasps> and um, we went our our separate ways but and then the whole next week it was just you know. Just and what and I mean, just mind-boggling things. Like um, one day she sent me a text. She says, 
you know, I was just thinking about you, and you know, the, the the song "You Are My Sunshine" came to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out of out of all the songs that she could pick, my mother and her younger sister in the 1940s sang professionally in Iowa, in you know, little local stages and things. And they they were they called themselves the Sunshine Sisters. And You Are My Sunshine was their theme song. Wow. Huh? You know, and, and, it, was, and it just jumped out because I, I, other than, you know, a brief appearance in, in the movie Brother Heart, well, Where Art Thou, You Are My Sunshine is not real popular these days, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and that she comes up with the song. And... And we're talking, and you know, you know, I, you know, I rode motorcycles when I was younger. She loves riding motorcycles. Um, I grew up with boxers. She has a bo- She has boxers. Oh. Um, you know, the dogs. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, just yeah. all of the, just there was just you know one thing after another after another after another that it's like each one of these. I mean, in and of themselves. I mean, there, it wasn't like. God inscribing on my, you know, living room carpet, you know, you know, thou shalt marry Jean. But it was, they, they, each one was like a little confirmation that there's just, you know, we fit together well. Right, right. And, and so it, it occurred, to, you know, so I, and so I woke up one morning and I just said, yes, I'm going to ask her to marry me. And then the question came up, just, all right, we're going to need rings. And, um, um, the, and I had a pair of rings. Um, it was the rings that my dad gave my mom 70 years ago. Oh my goodness! And so that's what we're that's what we're going to be married with. And so how did you ask ring. her? Um, well, we went to church Easter Sunday, mm-hmm. and I had it and. For that for that outing, Franny was there. She was, she wouldn't have missed it. Uh, and Jean's twin sister from South Carolina was up visiting. Really? Uh, she has a she has a fraternal twin. Hmm. So so they were sitting on one side of the table. We we're the Red Lobster in in Mesquite, and they were sitting on one side of the table. Jean and I were sitting on the other side of the table. And and they we had a couple little Easter 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 presents. Um, and, you know, Franny gave her uh, a necklace that said mom on it. <gasps> and, really? Uh, oh, yeah. And Jean was looking at, looking at that. And she look, was looking at that. I said, you know, there's something I need to talk to you about, too. And I slid off the chair down onto one knee. Oh, Michael. And she, and she, and she looked over at me, and, she, and her, her first reaction was like, well, what are you doing? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> At first, she just, I wasn't sitting on the chair anymore, and she was like, what are you doing? You know, and then she saw that I was on one knee, and was like, holy cow. <laughs> and so I had this little speech plan that I was going to say, and I got about halfway through it, and my mind just absolutely blanked. I could not think of what I wanted to say. And then it, it came back, and I started talking again, and I got a little better than halfway through my proposal, and she just started saying, yes, 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 yes. 
but it's um, you know it, it's and the experience has just has just been absolutely unbelievable. I mean, it's like brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. You know, know, they write... They write songs about young love, mm-hmm. you know. They need somebody needs to write some songs about old love because well, actually, because when you're because when you're cause, yeah, because when you're my age and you're and Jean's age. By the way, Jean and I graduated high school the exact same year. We are exact same age, and Jean graduated high school in a little town in Florida that my mom bought a, a retirement home in. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you know they just, you know things it's just like, keep bumping like into each other. Isn't it? Oh yeah, but it was. Um, but when you're our age, you have that that rush of just wonderful love, feelings of love, mm-hmm. but mixed in with it, you still have that 67 years of experience and wisdom and knowledge that sort of tempering the whole thing. And which for us at least, rather than bringing it down, actually just sort of intensified it. It made it more profound. Mm-hmm. Um, because in 67 years, I've never seen anything like this. I've certainly never experienced anything like this. Right. And, um, but it's just been absolutely phenomenal. And I think as and, we get uh, older, we have a better idea of what we're looking for or what we want or yeah mm-hmm. what feels right you know when you're real young it's like i don't really you know like you think you know when you're 20 mm-hmm. or whatever but mm-hmm. you don't really mm-hmm. i mean as i was going into into this whole concept of maybe dating maybe getting off the couch and going out and you know as I, as I as I told my you know, my daughter in Virginia, going out and day day day, couldn't <laughs> <laughs> get the word out right. Mm-hmm. And uh, but as I was contemplating it, um, you know, it's you know, you sort of take stock of where you're at and wh- where your life is at and where it is going and what it has been. And um, it's just, it's, it's just, it's, it's been just crazy phenomenal. I mean, it really has. Now, yeah, and I must say that, that, you know, everyone who has a spouse that dies is not going to have this kind of experience. 
but um, you know the fact of the matter is is that after is that you know as your post says you know you know every everyone dies mm-hmm. and everyone that's left behind there is always a there is always something that is that is next and that when that whatever whenever that what's next shows up in your life it feels miraculous well when you also you also have to be open to the what's next too because some people yeah. mm-hmm. are so kind of mired in their grief that they mm-hmm. you know they don't have the energy to pick their head up and look and say mm-hmm. this could yeah. be next yeah and, you know, and specifically yeah, and, and, men remarry more you know after a death than women do about twice yeah about twice the rate yeah 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 but yeah but it can be you know mired in uh the in grief uh mired in guilt i mean when you're when you're a caregiver i mean it's it is basically a life of guilt because it doesn't matter how good a job you do how wonderful a job you do you will always find something to kill, to pick yourself apart about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I didn't I got angry this one time when I shouldn't have, or I or I I overheated their food this one day, or this or that. You know, and and so you always find something to justify you know feeling rotten about you know the service that you're providing. And the truth is, you probably are doing a wonderful job. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and um, uh, and it's just you know, because when you're caregiving, there's always that desire. I I need to do more. I need to do more. And and sometimes you know you are doing everything that's, that is humanly possible. Right. And there's nothing more that you could do. There's nothing more that anyone could do than what you're doing. And, and perhaps you're doing what needs to be done better than anybody else on the planet could have ever done because you know them. They're your loved one. You know what their reactions are. You know what their experiences are. You know them. Well, and there's also uh, the, the, the thing that probably we want to do for that person is to cure them, and we can't do that. So you yes. feel like oh. there's something missing. There's some, There should be something else. And one other thing that maybe is missing is the thing that is not possible. Right. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, that was one of the things that for, that for me was a killer because professionally I'm an engineer and engineers are predisposed to fix things. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the truth be told, that's why most engineers are engineers is they like fixing things. They like making things work. And when you have, a loved one with uh, with a terminal disease like this, there is nothing to fix. Right. There's nothing that you can put right. And um, and so I mean, you just have you have to learn to deal with that. You have to learn to accept that. Um, that you know you, you know. You know, you are probably doing a much better, a million percent better job than you think you are. Mm-hmm. And uh, so. Well, even just Michael, even just staying, because you know, I, I 
worked in oncology, and I can't tell you how many women, you know, because I did gynecological and breast cancer, how many women would get that diagnosis and go home and tell their husbands, and the husbands would say, I didn't sign up for this, and would pack up and leave. Mm-hmm. And it's yep. like, I mean, just staying and doing all that you you did to care for Janet, that alone is huge. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, is that, unfortunately, the people who stay, they don't make a lot of noise. Um, partially because, you know, what we said before about, about feelings of guilt. Uh, you know, nothing I could do is, you know, will ever be enough. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then just, I, th- I think almost as a personality trait, people who care for others in that way um, don't, um, don't tend to be the kind of person that blows their own horn. Right. They just and, do it. Maybe don't talk about it so much. Yeah. Yeah. And and one of the things that was sort of strange in my caregiving experience, and I recognized this very early on, was the fact that I'm writing about it. Right. And so So I'm having to sort of, I'm having to break those rules. (laughs) I'm sorry, what? Are you going to continue your blog? Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, there's, there's, there, there are still lots of, of things to talk about. And even if it's not something that I personally am going through right at that moment, uh, these are things that people do go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, two weeks ago, I wrote about flashbacks. Right. Uh, you know, and caregivers can get PTSD. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's well established. You know, a year ago when I first wrote about it, it you know, it, it was sort of controversial. But now it's accepted. Yeah. Right. Yes, you know, being a caregiver can give you PTSD. Um, and one of the big symptoms of PTSD is, um, along with hypervigilance, which when you're a caregiver is a killer, um, but along with that is, is you know, flashbacks. Mm-hmm. When something happens that puts you back into a, an emotional place that you were in, you were during some sort of traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, that one, the, that thing was, is I had a dream one night and Jan, where Janet was yelling at me. And it just put me back into that time during her angry phase when nothing was right, nothing was adequate, nothing, no, nothing could be done correctly. Mm-hmm. And the more I tried to describe it, the more I tried, or not, the more I tried to, to, you know, explain what I was doing and trying to justify what was happening and uh, just so she'd understand it. You know, I just got more and more hooked into it like I, like when I was back then. Mm-hmm. And um, I woke up about three thirty, four o'clock in the morning and I was just in bed. It was cold sweat. And, you know, I, and I found myself, you know, making notes about, Things, things that I could say to Janet, and then it hit me. Wait a minute, Janet's not here. Janet died a month and a half ago. You know, wow. and this 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 conversation isn't real. This argument isn't real. Mm-hmm. And 
but yet in, in my gut, emotionally, that it felt like that. Right. And um, interestingly, one of the things that pulled me out of it was, you know, I got, as I just got online thinking, I will watch some YouTube videos or something, right? Mm -hmm. And I had a no notification, and when I followed up on it, um, Gene had left me a note just saying, you know, going to bed now, thinking about you. Uh, I'll be praying. That's it. Like one sentence, and it was, and just that one thing. It was like it. So I got my head pointing in the other direction. Mm-hmm. It pulled you back to your current reality. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And so it was. Um, uh, so there's. You, know, you have all those sorts of things that can happen. Um, anyway, I wrote that about, about that. You know, you know, two weeks ago. You know, last week. I wrote about tempering, um, and that you know you could have, you know, if you think about the word temper, it has two meanings. One where it's it's a it's a verb, like someone is is uh, you know or uh, is a, actually one one is a noun, and where it is something that you have, like I have a bad temper. Um, and one of them is a noun where. It's something that you do, you can do. And I wrote, wrote specifically about tempering in terms of, of like a metal. If you have steel, steel or iron, tempering, uh, you know, tempering it uh, is a very important process. Where, and you basically have to heat it up till it's glowing red hot, quench it really, really fast. And as the, sort of the first step, and that leaves the metal is very, very hard, but it's also mm -hmm. very, very brittle. Well, see, and and so, I do, that, I do glass blowing, and and you temper glass so that you can put yeah. like hot things in it, so it won't break. Mm -hmm. So with glass, right. if it's tempered, yeah. it's stronger. Yeah, and with metal, at least the way I don't know how it works with glass, but with metal, when you when you reheat it a second time. It gets the crystalline structure of the metal kind of kind of relax, and while it softens it a little bit, it also makes it more more flexible, mm -hmm. so that instead of shattering, it will it will it will bend a little bit. And it's sort of striking that people can be like that too. Mm -hmm. And uh, a perfect example of that for me in my own family was my dad and his older sister Hattie. Um, they lost. They lost their mother. Their father had run off. The, they lost their mother. My dad was five, and Aunt Hattie was like eight or nine, I guess. Mm -hmm. What Dad said. And so, and this was in a little bitty town in the Boot Hill of Missouri. Um, I mean, there there were no. I mean, and plus it was like 1915, mm -hmm. 1915, 1920, something like that. And there were no child protective services. There was no you know, orphanages. There was just the county sheriff. And his job was when he heard somebody died and left orphans, you checked around the county and to find people who could take them in, and that was that. Um, the environment my dad went into was just incredibly abusive. Um, the old lady that he ended up with, um, 
she, you know, her 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 way favorite way of expressing displeasure with that was she'd pick up a chunk of cordwood and throw it at him. Mm. Um, and and I, I was just thinking about in terms of of you know, human beings. I mean, my dad and, and Hattie both went through this initial fire part where they became very hard. Mm-hmm. And but then dad left home, went into the army, and he went through cycles of heat then, just you know, two wars <laughs> if nothing else. And but that and what that did was it tempered him mm-hmm. in in the metallurgical sense. Mm-hmm. And he became a little bit more flexible. Uh and um for a very warm person. My Aunt Hattie, on the other hand, the lesson she took out of the initial heat was, don't ever want to do that again. Mm. So her standard practice was, you know, always look for the easiest road through anything and take it. You know, minimize upset and problems at all costs. Mm -hmm. As a result, she never went through a lot of extra heat, which means she stayed brittle. Mm-hmm. Uh, personality-wise, you know, emotionally, right? And and I can remember, you know, as a kid talking to her, and even when she was angry, she just had a way of, of speaking where you felt like she was yelling at you when she wasn't, but it, mm-hmm. it felt like that. And she just, you know, clipped her words off very quickly, just step, 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 you know, as she was talking, mm-hmm. and um, and personality-wise, she was just very brittle. I mean, she and there were a few, few times when her, basically her life just shattered, and she had to go back and pick up the pieces and start over again. Mm. Um, and so that's what I wrote about last week. You know, is is that you know whatever you're going through, you know, the heat. Um, you know, it's you know it, it you know it it can make you stronger. Right. It, it does. I mean, if you give it, give it a chance, it will make you stronger. And uh, it can be much more useful, or it can be much more helpful if you realize that this is not a totally random process. This is not. Well, it's, um, it's necessary for our growth, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and uh, there's always a next thing for us to do. There's always a job for us to accomplish. And whatever we're going through right now, is getting us ready for whatever that job might be. Right. It's on the other side. Uh, well, you because... know, it's, it's interesting to go through, or you know, at least vicariously go through these different um, experiences with, you know, caring for Janet, Janet's death, kind of putting your toe back into loving again. And um, I really appreciate you letting us do that with you and, um, and continue because, you know, I think our listeners learn from you and your willingness to talk about these experiences. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that really has kept me going is uh, even through the darkest times of, with Janice, dealing with Janice's illnesses and things, is that getting you know uh comments 
or responses from readers who, who say things like, you know, uh, you know, the fact that you're going through this and you're surviving, mm-hmm. it's not, it may not be pretty, but you're surviving, and that gives me hope. Well, and thank you for sharing me. all of this with us, and I'm sure, sure we're going to. I'm sure. I'm sure as long as you allow us, we'll continue to um, mm-hmm. put our nose in your business and learn about what's going <laughs> on. <laughs> thanks. I, I I would I would look forward to that. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners for spending time with us during this show. Everyone dies. You can read our blogs and listen to our other podcasts at everyonedies.org. Thank you to our producer, Jeannie White, and our CEO, Lillian Caldwell. We produce a new show every Wednesday to answer questions related to life-threatening illness, dying, and death. Remember, you can listen to Passionate World Talk Radio on Spreaker and our shows wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a topic you'd like to discuss on our show, please email Marianne at everyonedies.org. That's M-A-R-I-A-N-N-E at E-V-E-R-Y, the number one, D-I-E-S dot org. I hope that you live your best life every day. And remember, every day is a gift. Thank you for listening. Do you want to become a talk show host? Do you have a great idea? Passionate? World Talk Radio is currently looking for podcast hosts for our internet talk radio station. Please email us at twrnetworkllc at gmail.com with your name, email address, cell phone number, and podcast topic. In return, You will receive a three-minute intro on air to a live audience about your podcast. Remember, just email us your name, email address, and your podcast topic, and in return, you will receive a free three-minute intro on the air. How cool is that? Thank you for listening to Passionate World Talk radio. You can listen to this program all over again by going over to https colon forward slash forward slash passionate world talk radio dot com. You can also hear it on Spotify, Spreaker, Amazon A L E X A, AMFM two four seven dot com every Tuesday evening between eight and nine PM. YouTube, Facebook, Facebook Live, LinkedIn, and all the other podcast directories one can find on the Internet. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.